Be honest, how many can relate to that, right? You may not have crawled out of your house on the floor, but you, like me, have probably sent a text message to the wrong person, right? And it can get a little awkward, a little choppy, a little dicey, a little uncomfortable. So, man, I'm excited that you're here. I'm so glad uh, I get to spend time with you today. You know, when I come on a Sunday morning, I really feel like I just have the, the privilege of spending time with you. We're going to open God's Word. We're going to look to uh, the truth of God's Word today. But it's just such a joy for me to be able to spend time with this church, to open my heart to kind of dig into the Word of God and to look to biblical truth, to really embrace uh, the Word of God and to apply it to our lives. I just I consider it such a joy to be here. Let me give you an update real quick before we get back to the video. Um, our, our worship pastor, Dan Sarna, and his wife, Bethany, had their baby today. Um, if you didn't know that, Bethany had been expecting her due date was Friday, and they delivered this morning at 12.59 a.m. Little Eliana entered the world today, so their little girl, they have Luca and two little girls. Um, so uh, they're excited about that, and we are excited for them. Mom and baby are healthy, and so just keep them in your prayers, uh, but wanted to give you an update as well as the church family. So Dan, Bethany, I think you guys already watched at nine, but uh, love you guys. Uh, God's blessing on you and your new baby, and we know that God's got many plans for you guys in the future. So listen, um, I'm so glad you're here because I believe that God has something for you. Uh, I was talking with a, a gentleman on the way in before 9 a.m. this morning, and he said these words. He said, you know, I, I just felt compelled to be here today. And I looked at him, I said, then you need to listen carefully, because if, if God compelled you to come in today, that means God has something for him specific that he wanted that man to hear. So I didn't, I didn't get to see him after service, but I pray that uh, he heard whatever it was that the Lord wanted him to hear. But my prayer is the same for you. My prayer is the same that you, whether you come here out of habit, out of routine, out of obligation, or you come because you know the Holy Spirit is prompting you to be in the house of God on a Sunday morning. I know that God wants to say something to you and speak a specific truth to you today about what we're talking. So listen, we are on week five of a teaching series that I've put together called It's Complicated. And it's been named after the phrase, you know, when you think of how people sometimes describe relationships, they describe them as being complicated. Have you ever used that phrase, right? Like, it's complicated, right? Like, it's, it's complicated. And we've been talking about uh, how to adopt the mind of Jesus and apply it to our relationships in life and to all of them. You know, sometimes when you hear about a relationship series in church, you think that they're addressing marriage only. We have been talking uh, every week about how do we take these biblical truths and apply them to every one of my relationships in life, marriage, dating, engaged, co-workers, parents, cousins, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, um, even, even exes in your life. You know, if you're divorced here today or you've got some squirrely relationships, God wants to help you to apply the mind of Christ into those environments. Uh, we built the series off of some words that were written by the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago. He wrote these words to believers in a church in a city called Philippi. And in the second chapter, as we read it in our Bible, it says in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so we've been talking for the last four weeks about how do we adopt the mind of Christ and apply that to our life of relationships here on earth. We've talked about how the, 
the mind of Christ, of course, includes love, right? God is love. And so the mind of Christ naturally means that we love one another. In fact, the, one of the reasons why I feel so strongly about this relationship is because love for one another is designed to be the calling card of a Christian. Do you know that Jesus said that the people that aren't part of the church should know that you're part of the church because of how you love one another? It says they will know you by how you love one another. We talked about humility. We talked about serving one another in relationships. We talked about honesty, authenticity, transparency. Last week, uh, Pastor Dan uh, talked about communication. So we've talked about uh, an assortment of topics, but all of them aimed at learning how to understand the mind of Christ and then apply it to all of the different dimensions of our relationships. And so the, the start of the series, I said this, and I, you know, you, maybe you're brand new today. Maybe you're, you're brand new to the church, you're front row, top of the stadium sitting. Maybe you're joining us for the very first time online. You're on GT Live, Facebook, YouTube, man. So glad you're here. God's got something for you as well. So if you're new to this series, let me tell you kind of the heart, my heart behind it. I believe this with all my heart, that the people of God, if, if we are people who, who house the Holy Spirit, right, we are called to be a reflection of the love of Jesus all around us. We just sang about the goodness of God. You and I, as followers of Christ, are called out by God, designed by him to be a reflection of the love and goodness of God to a world that desperately needs him. Amen, church? And I also have the conviction that if you and I are followers of Christ, then the Bible says that we also have the Spirit of the living God inside of us. The Bible teaches that at the very moment of salvation, at the very moment when somebody first confesses their sin and believes on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells that person. The same Spirit of God that helped create the universe, the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus out of the grave, Romans 8, 11 says it lives inside of you. And so here's my conviction. If you and I are containers of the Spirit of God, then you and I should be examples of how to live in the healthiest relationships on planet Earth. Is anybody with me? Say amen. You, in fact, you have an unfair advantage in this world. You have the Spirit of God inside of you. If you are a follower of Jesus in this room or joining us online, you have the Spirit of God Almighty living on the inside of you. You and I have an unfair advantage in this world. We should have better relationships than the world does. We should have greater harmony and unity among one another. And if we don't, something is wrong, church. Because your relationships with one another, your relationships with your family, your spouse, your boss, those relationships, I believe, are designed by God to be a reflection of how the body of Christ should work and have his love for a world that needs him. So we have the advantage of the Holy Spirit living inside of us to help us apply the truths that we've been talking about. Today's topic is, I want to I acknowledge from the very beginning, today's topic is a bit complex. All of them have been. The whole series is called It's Complicated. So naturally, uh, any given week, it, it will be a bit complicated to unpack uh, the, the truths of God's Word. This is no exception today. And if you didn't get it from the video, the topic today is called trust issues. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there are some of you 
in this room who have probably even said to somebody else, you know, I just, I just have trust issues. I have trouble trusting other people. And, and if you have trust issues in that regard, you likely have that because you've been hurt or burned or betrayed more than once. You've had issues in your life where other people, it doesn't matter if it was a friendship, a, a brother, a sister, a family member, or even a spouse, where you've been, you've had your trust betrayed, you've had harm done to you, and you are sitting here today and you have trust issues. Or you are in a relationship where there are trust issues right now, where there's, there's been broken trust and you are on the fence even of whether or not you want to repair that relationship. And so I'm going to give you a couple of things. There are three primary thoughts I want to share with you today. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs a bit today. And I said to you a couple of weeks ago, there's a lot of relational truth found in the book of Proverbs. And if you've never made it the habit or a habit for yourself of reading through the book of Proverbs uh, one chapter a day, can I encourage you to do so? Maybe you're stalled out in your daily time with God. Maybe you haven't read the Bible in a while, can I encourage you to pick it up tomorrow or today and read it, Take block out 10 or 15 minutes of time in your life, and just read a chapter of Proverbs every day. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. It'll, it, it fits perfectly for the monthly rhythm of life. And then when you finish, start over, right? Just pick it up and read it again. There's, there's over 10,000 different truths in the book of Proverbs that, Proverbs that apply to relationships, leadership, you know, how to conduct yourself in this world. And so there's great truth in there. And I'm going to look at a couple of Proverbs today. But I want to say this, too, because of, of the complicated nature of trust. I want to talk about three different dimensions of trust. But I want to say up front that I'm going to give some what I believe are general truths about trust. And some of you are going to sit here and say, yes, Scott, that's really nice, but my situation is complicated. Right? And, and, there, and I want to acknowledge from the very beginning that I understand that there are many relationship situations that are very complex. There are, there, I've, I've been in ministry for over 16 years. I've met with literally hundreds and hundreds of individuals and couples in my office over the last 16 years. I am very well aware that relationship issues when it comes to trust is very complex. And there's layers and layers and layers and layers on top of layers. Like, there's just, it's complex. But I believe that with the help of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God applied to our lives can in many ways simplify what we sometimes make overly complex in our lives. Amen, church. That was, y'all are even, are you here? Come on, I know, you're just tuned in, you're dialed in, okay? Um, so, I believe God wants to speak to us today, and I think He's going to bring something fresh and new to your life, and we're going to talk about three main areas of trust that I think will impact your life in a powerful, powerful way. So, um, again, I, I really, I, I just want to repeat this briefly, is that God wants, I believe that God wants more for you and I in this church. Sometimes, too often, as the, the people of God, right? Like we are the people of God. We are God's people. We belong to him. We are, we are Christians because we are assigned to the family of God. We are adopted in. We are made new in the attitude of our mind. We are 
bought by the blood of Christ. We are new creations in Christ. God wants more for us. And he longs and desires and designs us to live in healthy, trust-filled relationships. Not relationships that are burdensome and wear us out, but sometimes it requires a bit of extra attention. And so I want to talk about those things today. We're going to talk about three different principles of trust. And the first one is this. I believe, and many of you have observed this in your life as well, that trust is received and given like a gift. Again, if you've been through a lot of hurt relationships, a lot of betrayal, if you've been abused in some fashion, you may not begin a new friendship or relationship starting with trust, but in many cases, a lot of us begin a relationship by giving the gift of trust. And how many of you are old enough to remember what this is? This is what they call fine China. Age yourself right now. Raise your hand if you know what fine China is. Okay, we're going to out some others. Raise your hand if when you got married, if you're married here today and you got married, you put fine China on your bridal registry. Raise your hand. I just learned this because I've been thinking about using this as an illustration. This isn't really a thing anymore. And maybe I'm wrong, but I checked with, I did a wedding two weeks ago a uh, young adult couple, they're in their 20s, and I asked her yesterday in a text message, hey, I said, I'm doing a I, random question. I'm doing an illustration of our own fine china. Did, did you guys put fine china on your registry? She's like, no. I'm like, all right, I'm officially old, okay? We're, this, is, this is 21 years old. Kate and I are married 21 years, so we've had this 21 years. It's maybe used 21 times, I don't know. But she also said that she has three friends who are getting married, and none of them have fine china on their bridal registry. So again, if you have fine china, raise your hand, because you are joining the, the, the house of being old here today. In fact, I'm so old. How old are you? Do that again. I am so old. I'm so old that when I mentioned fine china in our green room, in our pre-service huddle this morning, one of the young adults who will be, remain nameless one of the young adults said, is it China because it was made in China? And I'm like, uh, nope, you're young and I'm old. Like, and if you're wondering, this is real. This is not a stage prop. And I did not get Kate's permission to bring this today. Ooh, I knew that would get some of you. She doesn't care. She trusts, she trusts me. We're talking about trust today, babe. Like, you trust me, right? I am pretty sure-handed. So, okay, so here's the thing. When if, so if you ever went to a wedding and gave fine china as a gift, this is a, this is a handle with care item, right? It's fine china, right? If I drop this, it would likely shatter. And when you give it as a gift, you have no idea how well the recipients will take care of it. You don't know. You're just, you're giving it out of goodwill hoping that the recipients will take good care of it, that they'll handle with care. But you, when you leave the wedding, it's still wrapped. You have no idea if it even gets home safely. Am I right? You don't know. You're not going to call and say, hey, just check in that you got your fine china home. And you don't even do that anymore. But 20 years ago when we did that, we weren't asking, did it get home safely? You don't know. 
If they're gonna take care of it, you don't know how they're gonna store it. You don't know if they're actually gonna hand wash it or carelessly put it in the dishwasher. Because if you have this, you know you're not allowed to put it in the dishwasher, right? That's such a dumb rule, but we, you know, I don't know what'll happen to it. Like, is it gonna melt? But you're told, like, don't dishwasher. It's not dishwasher safe. So you gotta, so maybe you only use it once a year because you gotta hand wash it, right? You don't even know, listen, you're not even assured if you give this as a gift. You have no idea. What if they, what if they serve hot dogs on your fine china gift? That's an affront. Like, how could they possibly put a hot dog on this? You don't know. You're, again, you're giving the gift. You're giving it in goodwill. You have no idea how they'll take care of it. And even, and what if, what if they put a hot dog on it and after they're done, they laid it on the floor for their dog to lick it clean? You, listen, if you have some of this, you know you wouldn't do that. Be honest. You would never. It sits carefully stored in one of your cabinets somewhere, and once a year, you bring it out for a special family gathering at Thanksgiving or Christmas. And then the rest of the year, it goes back into the closet very carefully. Can I tell you that I think trust is similar? Trust is given as a gift. And you never know how that other person will treat your trust. But it's given as a gift. You don't know if they'll take care of it, if they'll respect it, or if they'll be careless with your trust. Trust in relationships is given and received as a gift of goodwill. Again, many of you have been hurt. You've been through some traumatic experiences. I understand that it is hard to trust from the very start. But in, in, nor, in most relationships, trust starts out as a gift. And it stays in the gift category until it's broken, right? Trust will stay in the goodwill gift category until it isn't in the goodwill gift category. Let me talk with you. I got to be careful. I'm, I'm really nervous today, not because of the message, but because if I drop this, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Are we okay if I break this? No response, that's not good. And I, I told her that I was bringing this after the first service. Like, I thought that made sense, you know. Come on, that was funny. Some of you are just like, every time I pick this up, you're nervous. Like, oh my word, like, yeah, like, he's going to drop it. I'm not going to drop it. Okay, um, let me tell you, though, I want to tell you first how to break trust. And I'm not going to do a live illustration of how to break trust by dropping a plate. I promise. I'm not going to do that, babe. But um, let me tell you. So sometimes I believe that sometimes we learn truth by first learning what's not true. Sometimes we learn better what to do by first calling out the obvious of what not to do. And so here are some very simple ways. If you are wanting to sabotage trust in a relationship, I'm going to give you five simple steps. Very quick. Here we go. Number one, if you want to break trust in a relationship, just don't keep your word. Right? Overpromise and underdeliver. Just say you're going to do something and don't do it. Say you'll be here at a certain time and you come up late and you do it again and again and again and again and eventually somebody's not going to trust you. Right? Number two, tell the truth sometimes. If you want to break trust in your relationships, again, not just marriage, dating, engaged, coworkers, aunts, uncles, uh, your boss, if you want to break trust, simply tell the truth on occasion. 
and you will quickly erode trust in your relationships. Number three, keep secrets. Just be sneaky about your relationship. Have ulterior motives and make it obvious by the look on your face. That'll destroy trust. And here's the last one. Um, Be selfish. I think that, I believe that selfishness is one of the ways to erode trust in a relationship because selfish people, I have found, are hard to trust because they're always in it for themselves. And they're often angling for something. They're looking to get something out of you or leverage the situation for their benefit, and eventually you discover and learn that they can't be trusted. So trust, like China, is a, is a, a, it can be a fragile gift that's given in goodwill. It's received and given as a gift. Let me talk to you, though. This is just the setup. I've, I've kind of set the table for the message. Come on, that was good. Oh, man, you are so serious today. I thought that was, anyway, I thought it was really good. I set the table for the message. Now let me talk to you about, so trust is received as a gift. Let me talk to you about how trust is retained. And then I want to talk about how trust is rebuilt. Trust is retained, number one, and the only thing I want to say about it, trust is retained through integrity. In Proverbs chapter 10, you would read this, verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. The Bible says that when you walk with integrity, you walk on solid ground. You walk securely, and I believe that when you walk in integrity, it secures the relationships that you are in in this life. And conversely, the Bible says that if you walk in crookedness, if you have secrets in, if you have something that is, is not of integrity, it says your ways will be found out. And I just want to lovingly remind you that in most cases, as the Bible says, your sin will find you out. Now, there are some people who are, who are strategically good at hiding secret sin for a very long period of time. But in most cases, as the Bible says, your sin will eventually find you out. And if it doesn't find you out on the outside, I assure you that it will reveal itself on the inside. And your sin will erode the fabric of your character and of who you are until you release it by confessing it to God and deciding that I'm going to walk according to the ways of Jesus and live with integrity. So conversely, again, here are the ways that I keep integrity in my life. Number one, keep your word, obviously. Do what you say, say what you do. Just keep your word. Like, be truthful, Always. Number two, just be truthful always in your life. Integrity. The man who walks with integrity walks securely. The truth. Here's the beauty about the truth. You don't have to remember what you said. When you start to fabricate half-truths and start to write stories of what happened so that you don't get in trouble, then you have the added responsibility of trying to remember exactly what you told to whom and when and where. Because sometimes, if it's not the truth, the story changes. So if you want to retain integrity in your life and relationships, simply speak the truth always. And number three, this is so vital. I don't think this can be overemphasized. Number three, no secrets. Again, 
please, let me, let me clarify this before anybody tunes out online or leaves the service. I am not telling you to walk out of this room and find the nearest person and unpack all of the secrets of your life. I'm not saying that. You should have your secrets. There are some private things in your life that only God will ever know. And if you're married, there are private things that only God knows and that some things your spouse may know. I am not, what I'm about to say, I'm not telling you to go and just kind of start spilling and unpacking and, and regurgitating all of the secrets of your life to, to anybody in your life. I'm not telling you, but I am telling you this. One of the greatest enemies of trust in your relationship is suspicion. When you are suspicious of someone, for whatever reason, whether they've, they, they're sneaky or they're, they're kind of shady about something, whether you don't believe them or they're leaving something out, all I know is this, that when suspicion is existing in a relationship, trust is, is evaporating. When, here, here, let me ask you a question. I'm not going to ask you to call out their name, especially if they're with you today, but name one person in your life that you're suspicious of that you also trust. That's going to be difficult for you. Suspicion is the enemy of trust. And so in your relationships, you have got to work to remove suspicion in your life. No secrets. No secrets, especially with your spouse. You've got to remove suspicion. It says in Proverbs 28, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. The Bible says that it would be better to be poor but to have integrity, then to have all the wealth in the world, but to lack integrity in your life. He who walks with integrity walks securely in this life and in their relationships. I believe this, trust should be a, a natural byproduct of a supernatural life in Jesus Christ. I've been saying for six months now, since April, there are a couple of values that I, I think should be pillars of our church and of our lives. The first one is that the word of God must have priority in your life. As I said earlier, if you, if you are not carving out time every day to spend time with God reading his word, then you do not have the right priorities in your life. The word of God must be a priority for the follower of Christ. The lordship of Jesus must be a priority in our lives. And the leadership of the Holy Spirit, likewise, must be a priority of our lives. And when we live that way, according to the word of God, the lordship of Christ, and the spirit of God, I believe that trust will be the natural byproduct of that supernatural life in Jesus. So trust is received and given as a gift. Trust is retained through integrity. Now let me talk with you about the, the crux of this message. The core of this, what's, what's heavy on my heart today is that Many of us, and again, it's, it's, it would be very natural when I talk about this next part that you would think in terms of marriage. And that's, a, that's one scenario that is, that is very common for us to think about rebuilding trust. But I want to encourage you just to examine the relationships in your life. And if you have a relationship with somebody where trust has been eroded, it's been broken, you can ask the Holy Spirit and say, Am I to repair or rebuild this relationship and to endeavor to rebuild trust in that friendship? And so as I talk about this last part, trust is rebuilt with integrity and intention. I want to I go back to my, um, 
Am I trying to hear this again? First, let, let's just get one thing straight here. If you're a coffee drinker, this is far too small, okay? Let me just say that for all the coffee drinkers in the room. This is not an appropriate vessel for your habit of coffee, okay? Or you need to, like, fill it, like, five times. Like, this is, like, just get me started. So, but this is fine, China. I want to tell you, so when you, when you talk about rebuilding trust, there, it takes great care in a relationship. And I hold in my pocket the ultimate the ultimate in rebuilding and repairing plateware. Super glue. Now be honest, how many of you have repaired a coffee mug with super glue? Raise your hand. Oh my word, you all need to get a vial of super glue. This is right next to anointing oil, people. Like there's the oil of God in James 5, anoint those who are sick and, and pray the prayer of faith and they will be healed. And then there's super glue right? Like this stuff is miraculous. In fact, I believe that I'm a self-proclaimed professional supergluer. There are many a mugs in our house that have been repaired by superglue. I, 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 I love the challenge. In fact, as soon as we, we, we break, we have broken a few plates in our past couple of years. Like, you know, plateware just hits the counter, it breaks. It just, as soon as a plate breaks, I evaluate the situation. I'm like, I can fix that. Is, is, am I, is anybody with me? Like, come on. Anybody here, like, as soon as one of these ceramic things hits the counter or the ground, you are counting the pieces. You're checking if all the painted pieces are there because you can't fix it and have some of the painted spots missing because everybody knows that you fixed it. You are examining the situation and making sure that you can repair it. And then once you, once, you, once you determine that it can be fixed, then you go about your business, right? Like, so I would get these coffee mugs, and I'd get, you get the pieces, and you, you carefully have to prop it up, right? Like, if you're going to fix some ceramic, you've got to get books and other things to hold it just right so that gravity's on your side, so that when you glue the handle on, you carefully set it there, and you don't want anybody to see the lines, so you glue it on, and then you wait. Because, listen... When you're rebuilding plateware, any amount of disturbance causes you to have to reapply the glue, right? Any level of disturbance of that handle, I've got to start off, I've got to pull it off, I've got to maybe wipe it off and reapply the glue. And then you let it sit. And then once it's been glued, once it's been glued, you kind of carefully pick it up and you're like, oh, I'm going to, first you lift it, first you lift it without liquid in it. And you're like, well, if, if it was just a handle, I'm going to see... Okay, this works. Some of you tuned out. You're like, this guy's nuts, right? There's a point. Okay, just hang with me for one more minute. Online, hang with me one more minute. I promise there's a point. Hold then, then eventually, pour some coffee in it or your beverage of choice, right? So, and then you test it again. Then once you, now you're starting to trust the rebuilding process. And then you, a couple times, you'll pick it up. You'll reuse it, reuse it. But, you're, but listen, when you're rebuilding a mug, a coffee mug, you're very keenly aware that that was just repaired. At least I am. When I fix a coffee mug, I'm very aware every time I pick it up that I fixed that mug, that that has been repaired. But over time, over many uses, over many successful, trustworthy uses, eventually, 
one time I'm going to grab that mug out of the cupboard and forget that I even repaired it. Frank, can I tell you that rebuilding trust has many of the same qualities in your relationships. When you've experienced broken trust in a marriage, in a friendship, in any kind of relationship at all, and you endeavor to rebuild that trust, it's much like rebuilding a piece of fine china with super glue. It takes great care. It, like I said, the point is it takes integrity and intention. Great intention will go into you rebuilding trust in that relationship. A life of integrity will be required because when you don't live with integrity, you bring another disturbance into the healing process. You hear me, church? You are trying to rebuild trust in a relationship. And every time, out of a lack of integrity in your life, you disturb that trust. You disturb the, the repair process and the healing process. It requires and demands integrity in your life. And after a few uses, after you've, you've, you've determined that it has been repaired, in a relationship, in a marriage, I've done this hundreds of times, when you've repaired and rebuilt trust in a marriage, for, for a season, you are very keenly aware that that has been repaired. And there are things that might trigger your concern, suspicion being the leading one, the leading trigger in a marriage that's been repaired is suspicion. You've got to ruthlessly eliminate suspicion in a marriage. But, but after a while in your relationships, after you've repaired the trust, many uses, many trustworthy uses in that relationship, eventually you'll start to come to forget that you repaired it in the first place. And some of you are sitting here today in very difficult relationships, very difficult situations, very complicated scenarios. And, and again, it's understandable because you and I are complicated beings. I said this a couple weeks ago. You are body, soul, and spirit. And within those three dimensions of your being, you have a whole life of experiences, of hurts, of pains, of joys, of sadness, of, of, of life, and relationships, and hurts. And, and then you bring into that all your thought life and all of your feelings. You are one complicated person, my friend. And so am I. And so we bring our complicated selves into relationship with another complicated person. It gets complicated. And rebuilding trust in a relationship only multiplies the complications. So I want to encourage you today, though. This is the thing I want you to hear. Jesus said these words. Because when people would question Jesus and wonder, well, can this really be? He said these words. With God, all things are possible. And when Jesus said the words, all things are possible, by definition, that removes anything that isn't possible. All things are possible in your life. And if you are in a marriage right now that is disintegrating and broken and just hanging on by a thread, can I encourage you today, friend, that with God, all things are possible. Now, it, it's very important that you include the with God part. Because without God, many things are impossible. Am I right, church? Without God, many things will be impossible to you. But you are not without God. At least you don't need to be. With God, all things are possible to them who believe. Let me tell you very simply how to rebuild trust. 
And again, this is where I, I want to encourage you to embrace the mindset of Jesus Christ. You will never live with integrity apart from the, the active working of the Holy Spirit in your life. When, listen, we, let's just be fair. Let's be honest with one another. When left to our own resources, we are going to fail miserably at life. Can anybody agree with me, church? When you are left to your own fleshly abilities and attempts and impulses and efforts, you are going to fall on your face over and over and over again. And so am I. But we are not left without help. I said earlier, the Spirit of God lives inside of you if you made Jesus your Lord. And you have the advantage of the Holy Spirit living inside of you to help you do these things. So how do we, how do we rebuild trust? I really want to toss this in the air. I, I mean, I'm just like, I'm fidgety as it is as a human. Like, I'm a, I'm a fidget. Is anybody else a fidgety human? Raise your hand. Identify yourself. Am I fidgety? <laughs> like, I think that probably took her getting used to when we first got married because I'm fidgety. I just, I don't know. I just have, like, energy all the time. So, but um, I'll put it down. I don't make you nervous, okay? So how do we rebuild trust? Very briefly. I know I'm just, so that was a good introduction for the message. Let me talk about how to rebuild trust. Just kidding. Um. Number one, and it's obvious, so you rebuild integrity by living, by rebuild trust by living with integrity all the time. You need to make your word your word. The Bible says this, let your yes be yes. Live with integrity by the help of the Holy Spirit. Live with integrity. Number two, fill all gaps with trust. Again, if, if you're in a relationship and you, you're expecting something from, like you, you're, you're supposed to meet for coffee at 10 a.m. And you're there at five of, because that's what you do. If you're like me, I'm five minutes early. I, I'm a kind of a punctuality Nazi. Like, I just like to be on time. Y'all are learning way too much about me today, okay? I'm as dysfunctional as you are. I love being on time. And so if you're meeting somebody for coffee and they show up 10 minutes late, you're like, Huh. Yeah, like, hmm. Now, you might wonder, well, why are you late? Like, you might be a little bit suspicious. Something else was more important. Like, now, if they just, you just start your conversation with no explanation of why they're late, you're just like, all right. And so the next time you go to meet them for coffee, what's in your head? I wonder if they'll be on time this time. That can, that thought process of past pattern can be short-circuited if you'll simply fill in the gap. If I arrive late, you better believe I'm going to explain to somebody why I'm late. Because I want to fill in the gap. I want them to be able to trust me again. And so I'm going to explain, hey, you know, man, I'm, first you apologize. Listen, I'm so sorry. I know we said we'd meet here at 10, and it's 10.01 and 30 seconds, and I'm late. And I'm sorry. Listen, this is what happened. And just provide some gap-filling. Because when we don't fill the gaps, you allow suspicion to grow in the gap. If you don't fill the gap with truth, suspicion will start to fill in those gaps. And if you want to retain and rebuild trust in your relationships, fill the gaps with truth and with trust. Number three, be truthful always. Let your yes be yes. Just be truthful. Here's the problem about lies. If you, when you tell a, a lie, you got to remember what you said, right? I said that already. So be truthful. And number four, and this, this is a... Specific conversation for if you are seriously dating, engaged, or married. Right now, my wife and I are leading a couples class. We've got 
probably 30 couples together in person online. Many are dating, many are engaged, many are married. Some of you are, I see you sitting here right now. I want to tell you, if you are in one of those kinds of relationships, one of the things that will, will help you rebuild trust is that this device has to be public domain. Not, listen, I'm, I'm just telling you this because I love you. If you're dating, if you're engaged, if you are married, nothing will destroy your relationship faster. Nothing will erode trust more successfully than if your device is private to you alone and you have it password protected and if your spouse or your, your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, and they, they want to pick up your phone and you're like all defensive and dodgy and you got a password on there, guess what? What's the natural thought process? What are they hiding? How, how do you not think that, church? I'm sorry if this is stepping on your toes, people, but if you're sitting on the couch like this and you're like, what are you hiding, right? This device can cause so much problems in your relationship. This must be public domain. No privacy here, church, if you want a successful marriage, okay? If you're okay with eroding trust and, and letting suspicion grow and and dealing with the, the pain of that, then by all means, have it password protected. But if you want to live in a life-giving, satisfying, fulfilling marriage where trust is not a question, I never, I have 21 years of marriage, I've never not trusted my wife. I've never worried about her or wondered what she was up to. I've never had to. She's never given me cause to worry about that. I believe that I've done the same for Kate. Like, this device must be public domain in your relationships. Amen, church? The final one is this. The last one is this. The final one is this, and it's obvious. Center your life on Jesus Christ. I said earlier, we here online and anybody who calls themselves a, a Christ follower, we are the people of God. And it is incumbent upon us to center our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ, on his word in my life, on the spirit of God, surrendering to his lordship in every single dimension of my life, including my relationships. And if you want to live with integrity, if you want to rebuild trust, if you want to retain or rebuild trust in a relationship, you center your life on Jesus Christ, embracing his lordship, walking with integrity, and friend, you will walk securely in this life. Let me read some words of Jesus here. In John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus said this, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then the, the, the most commonly quoted scripture in all the world follows. And I'll share that in just a second. But I want to I say this up front because all of, all of the things that I've talked about today, about living with trust, about giving the gift of trust, retaining trust, rebuilding trust, about centering your life in Christ, none of that matters until you first have decided to make a step to receive Jesus as Lord. 
You don't have the assistance of the Holy Spirit until you make a personal decision to embrace Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And if you're in this room or if you're joining us online today, man, we love you. I am so glad you are here. You are here by divine appointment. And the, the most important decision that you can make today before you hit the lobby, before you tune out today online, the number one decision that you need to make if you've never made a decision to make Jesus your Lord is to say, you know what, today I am going to cross the line of faith. I'm going to confess my sins that I am a sinful person in need of a Savior. And here's what we believe in this church. We believe that Jesus Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago, was the eternal Son of God who died on a cross as a payment for our sin, as a payment for your sin and as a payment for my sin. We believe that that same Jesus, who was the Son of God in the flesh, died on the cross, was buried for three days, and on his own accord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, came back to life on the third day, rose again, and a few days later, a few weeks later, ascended to heaven, and now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. He's praying for you right now. And the only decision that you need to make, if you've never decided this before, is to say, you know what? Today, I decide that that Jesus who died on the cross, rose again, and sits at the right hand of God, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. I acknowledge that I'm a sinful person in need of a Savior, and I receive Jesus as the Lord of my life today. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Everybody in this room, online, listen up. If you are listening in this room, if you're online listening, if you're here in this room today, and you have never made the decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior, just slip your hand up. Just give me a little wave. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't want to call you out, but I would love to know that you're making that decision right now. Is there anybody here in this room Anybody at all? I'm going to wait a, a second here. Anybody at all say, you know what, Scott? That's me. You're talking to me. I've never decided to make Jesus my Lord. And today is my day. Today is my day. October 24th is my day. Thank you for that hand. Yes. Anybody else? Thank you so much. That's why we don't hurry this moment. Anybody else? Anybody else with a hand? Say, Scott, it's me. Scott, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus. Online. If you're deciding that today on, online, Facebook, YouTube, GT Live, click on the link. They're going to give you a link to click on. We want to know that you made that decision. We want to follow up with you, connect with you. But I want, to, I want to pray with you. For those in this room who have raised their hand and anybody online, if you're making that decision today, heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want to pray a very simple prayer. If you'll repeat this prayer after me, we're going to believe that the prayer of faith allows that person to be saved eternally in him. Say these words with me. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now, to do what no one else can do. On this day, I confess my sins and I receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. I believe that he died on the cross as a payment for my sin. And I believe that he rose again to prove that he was the Son of God. Now help me live for you in Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Church, can we celebrate those people who made that decision today? Come on, man. Somebody's eternity just changed, church. You know, we, yes, that's the appropriate response. In this church, we believe that when somebody makes a decision to receive Christ as Lord, their eternal destination has changed in that moment. The Bible says, Jesus said in John 3, they've been born again. First uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, they've been made a new creation in Christ. You are brand new today in the name of Jesus. And now he's going to help you apply the truths of his word to your life. And now you have the assistance of the Holy Spirit to make it happen. What an awesome thing. Praise God for that. Amen. All right, here's how I want to close it. I'd like you to stand with me. We're going to close today. But we're going to sing a song first. The song we sang earlier, Oh, Come to the Altar. Our team's going to reprise that song here. We're going to sing it again. Then I'm going to come back and, and dismiss us in prayer. But I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. And I don't know what you're dealing with. Some of you I know. Some, most of you I don't. I'm not sure what you carried into this room today. I'm not sure what, your, I'm not sure what kind of trust issues you're dealing with, whether it's in your marriage, in your friendships, or whether you just have trust issues because of your past and your own brokenness and the hurts that you've sustained in this life. When our team sings this song, I'd like just to come. The lyric is, come to the altar, man. God can meet you here. God can meet you anywhere, but there's something specifically supernatural, I believe, when you will take a step physically forward out of your seat and acknowledge that, God, I need your help. You coming forward doesn't, doesn't tell the world that you have gross sin in your life. It just means, God, I, I need your help in this thing. So as our team plays this song, I just want you to come forward. And then I want to ask our prayer partners, if you're a, an altar team member, if you're a small group leader, a leader of the church, if you see people coming forward today and they have nobody to pray with, will you please also leave your seat and come just gently put a hand on their shoulder and pray with them today and believe God that he would touch their lives. Go ahead, Dan, lead us in a song.